Welcome. I'm Leslie Canham. I'm Mary Gavoni. I'm Linda Harvey. I'm Olivia Wan, and together we are the Compliance Divas. Welcome. My name is Leslie Canham, and we have a very special guest for the Compliance Divas podcast today. We bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating regulatory compliance to keep you on course. We encourage you to subscribe to the Compliance Divas podcast through your podcast channel or on our website, thecompliancedivas.com. If we mention resources during our podcast, you can always find them next to the episode on the compliancedivas.com website. And any questions that you have, please submit them to support at thecompliancedivas.com. Well, today our program focuses around ransomware. And it may seem like a very scary topic, especially if you've ever heard about anybody who's been the victim of ransomware. Successful ransomware attacks are devastating to dental practices. And when we speak with our special guest, Amy Wood, you'll find out more about how you can protect yourself, your practice, your practice's reputation, your own financial reputation and health. And just to give a brief introduction, Amy Wood is a best-selling author, speaker, consultant, and coach. She has a background in healthcare information technology and has spent the last decade as a HIPAA educator, risk assessor, and data breach consultant. Amy consults with healthcare practitioners both before a data breach by implementing proactive compliance programs into their existing workflows and after a breach by helping minimize the damage and fixing the leaks within the current system. Out of over 250 data breach investigations she's conducted consulting on, her clients have received zero fines and zero patient lawsuits. So Amy, please join us today. And the first question I have for you, I think our listeners want to know, what is the highest cause of data breaches that you see? Oh, hands down, it is 100% ransomware. Uh, so I think it's hovering close to 70% of all reported data breaches are ransomware, and there are many, many, many more that go unreported. So that number is probably a lot higher. Uh, as a close second, I'm actually seeing a lot more privacy violations when it comes to HIPAA. So it's not just ransomware. Um, in fact, the last five calls I've gotten have been uh, paper records that were ignored or forgotten or saved in a basement storage locker somewhere and someone broke in and stole it for the purpose of identity theft. So, but it's, it's still predominantly ransomware, which is sad because it's almost entirely preventable. Wow, Amy, that's, it's good to know that it is preventable. I know our fellow diva, Olivia, had some questions about a recent event that occurred. Amy, back in the spring, the American Dental Association was hacked. Can you speak to us about how this happened and what dental professionals should be looking for? So the ADA getting hacked is actually a big deal in our industry uh, because we work in dental. Now, how it happened is not new. So there's usually a ransomware gang and they send out these uh, spare phishing emails and they're intended to look real and convincing and get you to click on the link or open the email attachment. And then they have access to all of your data. And uh, 
you know, what they want is a couple different things. They want passwords that they can sell. They want internal data that they can sell. Um, they want financials. So for the ADA, what's unique there is they have practice transitions. Uh, and so there's financial data on the doctors for that. There's not a clear indication yet whether EIN or MPI numbers were involved, but it's a distinct possibility. So it's, it's very concerning for dental practices and dental professionals or anyone who's ever accessed any ADA resources. Well, Amy, I think you really, uh, you know, kind of touched the the heart of it. It uh, does affect us, even though uh, we may not be members, but our employers are members of the American Dental Association. We may not uh, have uh, actually access to the website, but if we've ever attended a meeting, an ADA meeting, it's possible that our payment information could be on file or or other information as we make hotel preferences, which is usually booked through uh, their channels as well. So uh, I know that uh, Linda has some questions for you. Linda, what would you like to ask Amy? Amy, I think this was one, one hack that everybody in dentistry watched with bated breath, because at some point, as, as Leslie said, we've come in contact with the ADA attending a meeting, and some of us have even done some work for the ADA as well as other consultants have. And so the ADA just has a wealth of information as any organization that size would. So can you tell us a little bit more about why the hackers are going after that information? And then also what should dentists, dental professionals, or ADA members do to protect themselves? Sure. So there's actually three reasons that the hackers would go after this particular kind of information. Um, other than the fact that dental has been a target for hackers for quite some time, just because dental information is generally tied to medical information. And that is the most valuable thing that uh, hackers are looking for on the dark web for identity theft, medical identity theft, uh, things like that. So the, the first reason a hacker would go after that information is to sell the information on the dark web for a fee. That's, that's their main primary goal. Uh, the second would be to extort both the person that they've stolen the information from and also the people that are in the data set. So that's something new within the last year and a half that we've started to see is that the hackers will go in. So if they hack a dental practice, they're going to go in and go to the patients directly and try to extort them. Now with the ADA, we haven't quite seen that yet, uh, but it's always a possibility. So dental offices need to be really on top of what kinds of uh, calls and emails that they'll be getting. Um, now the third reason is the contact information to also attempt to hit those dental practices with ransomware because that's where the big money is. So I don't quote me on this. I believe the uh, the extortion amount was in the many, many, many millions. Um, I, I don't have an exact number, um, but it was a larger target. So it's generally a larger number that's asked for. And usually in a situation like that, the uh, person who got ransomware is able to try to negotiate with the hackers, um, but it doesn't always go well. So as of right now, it looks like they're, they're cooperating and that information won't be leaked further, which is a good thing. That's good for, for dental professionals. Um, so the things that people can do to protect themselves uh, the very second the ADA website is fully back up, uh, I believe there are still portions of it that are not active as of today's date, um, but changing your password and making it unique 
not reusing it. I know recycling is good in some cases, but definitely not with passwords, um, making it something completely unique from anything else you use. Um, looking at your statement uh, for unusual activity on the payment method that you use to pay your dues. Uh, and that's same if you pay your dues on the state or local level. Um, I believe most of those are lumped together for your, your um, state level association and your local component. Um, so making sure you check that payment method and um, definitely training your team on what to look for with fake emails. And trust me, they are getting really, really good. Uh, I've I've even had to stop a few times. I teach this, I, I know it inside and out. And there've been a few I've had to stop and say, hmm, that one's really, really good. I almost fell for it. Uh, you know, investing in spear phishing campaigns are great. And um, what they will do is they'll send you phishing emails to test the whole team. And, um, and you know, programs like that are not new. And, you know, they're fairly inexpensive compared to the cost of uh, dealing with ransomware, extortion, and, and even a full-on data breach investigation. Plus the embarrassment of being down and not being able to see your patients. Um, and then the last thing I would say for people to protect themselves is just to remind everyone that security and cybersecurity is part of HIPAA compliance and has been since 2009. So getting your practice compliant with HIPAA, both privacy and security, will actually go a really long way to keeping your practice safe. Amy, that's incredible information. And I think so many times people in dentistry think HIPAA compliance means having a patient sign a form that says that they understand your notice of privacy practices. And the cybersecurity aspect is overlooked when, when dental professionals rely on uh, companies to hook up their equipment that aren't well acquainted with HIPAA and uh, IT professionals that don't secure their systems. And uh, I, I would hope that, that we would go beyond um, doing just whatever's easiest and, and make uh, do a little more work to vet the companies that uh, handle our protected patient information. And I have to say that the, uh, the spear phishing campaign, that reminds me of something else that has been used for years by dental management consultants, which was a mystery shopper where someone would call the dental practice and see how the phone was answered and whether the person was cheerful and greeting and, and whether the person would, would actually be able to land an appointment or whether that person would scare a patient away. So certainly having a campaign to test your team on whether they might open up phishing emails would be quite educational and eye-opening. Mary has some questions for you as well. Thanks, Leslie. Um, Amy, how concerned should dentists be about integrations into their practice management software and third-party vendors like social media plugins? Because so many practices um, use social media for marketing. How risky is that? Uh, it can be very risky. Uh, this is actually one of the biggest concerns I have for the dental industry right now. Uh, many of the practice management systems that we have are, you know, they've been around for decades. And when they were built, security wasn't really a thing. And so we've been bolting on newer and newer versions, trying to make them more secure. Uh, but the reality is, uh, 
in order to make things work, you security tends to go out the window. So what I've seen a lot, especially in the last couple of years with the pandemic, that uh you know, we have seen a lot of vendors come about out of necessity. So things like texting and self-appointment services and, you know, touchless payments and telehealth, all these different things, you know, it's really important to remember that making something work and making it secure are two entirely different things. And um, there's not a lot of regulation on this with third-party vendors. I mean, we do have HIPAA, we do have some, some FTC and FDA. There's some regulation surrounding it, but there's not a lot of enforcement or, um, or information for these vendors to be able to kind of plug and play like they would in, in the hospital space. So um, dental is one of those smaller markets that is extremely vulnerable. So you have to, have to, have to vet your vendors. I have been screaming this from the rooftops for years that your third-party vendors are either your best asset or your worst liability, depending on who they are and what they're accessing and what they're doing. Um, you know, we've, we've seen some major players, um, you know, I, I'm in California, so I see all kinds of regulation on my end. Um, we've got CCPA here and California Consumer Privacy Act, which for the rest of the country, uh, all you guys know about that law is at the bottom of every website, it says, I accept all cookies. And you don't understand what that means, uh, but it, it puts some parameters around the information that you're sharing to whatever business you're doing business with. Um, you know, Meta, the parent company for uh, Facebook, they're currently in a class action lawsuit uh, because every time you go to a website that says log in using your Facebook or your Google, uh, which is crazy that people would do that, but uh, there it is. People do it all the time. And the scary part of something like that is now you've, because you've utilized Facebook to log in, you've given Facebook the ability to scrape whatever data they want for marketing purposes within that website you're going to. So what if you're going to your hospital's login and you're going to get all your medical records or what if dental finally uh, has all the integrations to be able to offer that like they're supposed to at this point and, uh, and people have access to insurance information and appointment history and health history information. You know, those are sensitive pieces of information that are regulated and supposed to be protected. But, you know, once we integrate with a third party, we're entrusting them with care, custody and control of this information and, a lot of times uh, they don't even know what that means. So it's uh, it's a big mess that needs to be looked at very carefully. You need to scrutinize everything. And um, I would definitely say vet your vendors, not just sign the business associate agreement, ask them lots of tough questions. It's actually my favorite thing in the world to do is yelling at vendors, especially when they say something like, oh, we're fully HIPAA compliant, which is hilarious because no one is. <laughs> we're, we're all just working toward a compliance program. 
Thanks so much, Amy, for that great explanation. Even the heavy hitters can be in some pretty big trouble when it comes to uh, that data. And and I am surprised I had heard about the Facebook and Meta situation where uh, somebody's hospital records were actually compromised that way by agreeing to accepting cookies and logging in with their Facebook account. So that's uh, interesting to know that that's coming up. There's something else that uh, is also interesting to me. It uh, We've seen a rise in employees being asked to use their personal cell phones for business use. Tell us a little bit about the risk involved for the employee and the employer. Yeah, so that's called Bring Your Own Device or BYOD. And it is an HR nightmare because the device is owned and operated by the employee, uh, but business activities are being asked to be done on it. And often without compensation or clear parameters on what should and shouldn't be done. And I'm not an HR expert, so you'll have to get a, another guest on here that talks more about that. But, um, but I do know that BYOD needs to be very clearly spelled out as to what what you want done and uh, what what parameters need to be put in place in order to uh, protect that information better. Linda, you wanted to ask a question or add to that? Absolutely. Amy, that is so, it is such a nightmare. And I think the challenge for the practices is they look at it, they don't realize it's actually PHI. They say, well, we're texting, but there's only initials or we're only sending a, uh, an x-ray, we're only sending a picture. And they don't realize how it still can be put together and be identifiable. And they simply think that deleting it from their phone is the end all be all and that works. And I know you as the expert here uh, can enlighten them otherwise, but it's just appalling to me because they think it's not anything important because they don't think it's medical information like a name with a diagnosis or, you know, it doesn't take much to be identifiable, right? Uh, I'm actually really identifiable by my x-rays and I have had even last week, I had someone say, oh, I don't care if someone has access to my x-rays, what are they gonna do with it? And I personally have been victimized. I've had identity theft twice. I still have issues uh, because someone did not value my dental x-rays and my name, birth date, social security number and insurance information are still available on the dark web after 10 years of someone being careless with my information. So I take that as a personal affront when, when people say that to me, because I, I know as a patient that's been victimized by someone being careless about that, what that feels like. And it's, it's very frustrating. And it's, it's not even just anger anymore. It's just complete. It's just, what do you say to that? It's, 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 yeah, frustration isn't even the right word. It's it's many, many swear words. We'll just say that. <laughs> well, Amy, I can imagine for those individuals who have been the victim of identity theft, uh, at least the personal stories that I've heard, uh, or that it's like, it's like a, another job or at least a part-time job to continue to battle and, and answer to uh, the type of, of uh, reputational harm that's been done. And uh, many times the uh, individuals are never, never caught. So there's, you know, there's no way to really feel satisfied that there's been proper recourse. One thing I, I do treasure is a story that you shared with us once before uh, at a dental meeting on that interesting case that you worked on where the person did get caught. So could you just give us that information and then uh, we're going to wrap up our podcast for today. 
Yeah, my favorite data breach. Um, so this was an office I had worked with with the previous doctor. And that doctor decided to retire, sold to a younger doctor. Um, it turns out that the uh, front desk team member had been embezzling for a long time. And the previous doctor didn't know any better. Um, didn't really look at the financials very closely. Uh, and so this person was able to embezzle for quite some time. Now the new doctor comes in, we do training, we, uh, you know, update everything. The new doctor is hundred percent on board. And then the new doctor started looking at the numbers a little more closely because of course she's up to her eyeballs in debt. And so every penny counts in that kind of situation. And uh, we had just done training. And two days later, I get a frantic call from the doctor saying, someone broke into my office. They stole a laptop. They stole about 25 paper records because they were still hybrid. They were still between uh, computers and paper. And, um, and I don't know what to do. I'm freaking out. So I go there still in my pajamas <laughs> just to try to calm the doctor down. <laughs> and I'm talking to the police officers and I'm, I'm waiting for my tech guys to let me know what they see, if, if anything was out of the ordinary, because that's just standard protocol in a, in a crime scene, in a forensic you know, situation. Uh, and every, every digital trail is part of that investigation. Same with ransomware. It is a crime scene. Uh, and so while I was doing that, I got a call from my, my tech team and they said, so, um, I really don't want to tell you this, but it looks like the, uh, front desk team member had, uh, logged her cell phone into the staff Wi-Fi at about two o'clock this morning. When did you say the break-in was? And so in that situation, you just have to remember that home is where the Wi-Fi auto connects. Um, same thing with every place you've ever logged into Wi-Fi, it will always auto remember until you tell it to forget. And so in this case, technology uh, created that audit trail and it, it provided the evidence to, well, one piece of evidence anyway, to, uh, to prosecute this individual. Uh, the second one was the police officer went to the gas station across the street and pulled the video footage. And so we were able to see this person's uh, vehicle in the parking lot at the same time. So yeah, technology can help in a lot of ways. <laughs> it certainly can. Well, Amy, we certainly appreciate your insights and your words of wisdom to help us in this crazy time when cyber attacks and phishing attacks, ransomware can be all around us. And even the most intelligent, the most thoughtful, the most detail-oriented and and uh, and people who are uh, really on top of their game can be tricked when it comes to uh, opening up ransomware or uh, email attachments. The, the hackers make good money at this and, and they pursue what we are considered in dentistry to be called low-hanging fruit. So thank you so much for joining us today. We as the Compliance Divas bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating regulatory compliance to keep you on course. And please feel free to submit your questions to the support at thecompliancedivas.com. Thank you for joining us.